0: Today on Sagittarian Matters, donut reviews, gross vegan taste test, punk damage, quitting your job, and more, with my guest, Rocco Kayatis. Stay tuned. from the Sagittarian Matters studios. It's me, Nicole, here to give you a review of a couple of desserts, one huge thumbs up, one huge thumbs down, and my very strong opinions about voodoo donuts. Here we go. This week, I was driving to work at my studio and I really wanted something sweet. If you know me, you listen to the show, I have quite a sweet tooth. And because I am Somebody who was raised um, internalizing all the messaging of the 80s, I crave chocolate when I have PMS, much like a Kathy cartoon. And so I was seeking out either a chocolate chip cookie or a Hail Mary tart. I was going to go to Buy Chloe, which is a vegan place that's right next to a 365 Whole Foods. 365, if you don't know, is the poor man's Whole Foods. Not a real poor man, not like a Trader Joe's level of pricing, but minorly less expensive than Whole Foods, maybe. Anyway, I wanted to check in Whole Foods before I went to get my vegan chocolate chip cookie from Chloe, which is a really good cookie, not as good as Little Pines chocolate chip cookies, but I couldn't bring myself to get $10 cookie takeout on my way to work. Um, So I went into Whole Foods looking for a Hail Mary tart. Hail Mary makes really delicious gluten-free tarts and macaroons that you can get all across the country, I think. Um, The tarts are very dense. They have a little crust that is made of nuts and coconut oil, and there's something about their chocolate and almond butter tart that is, I'm going to use the word toothsome, even though I'm not looking it up. It has a really nice feel on the tooth. It's fun on the teeth, I'm going to say. They didn't have the tart I wanted. They only had a lemon, and like I said... I was feeling a little bit of Kathy-style PMS, so I said, ah, chocolate! And I turned around, and I saw a vegan spelt brownie made by 365 Whole Foods for $1.25. The price was right, the flour was weird, and it was a brownie. Everything I'm looking for in a dessert. So I got it, I took it to my car, and on first bite, producer Ponyo as my witness, looking over my shoulder as I ate this, on first bite, it was I was going to say "edible. That was going to be my review. I was going to say, "You know,, eh, it's edible." as I kept chewing and I looked at the ingredients my my review went from "This'll do to "My time is worth more than this in my life." It was $1.25. I wish I could have a dollar twenty five of my life back because when I looked at the ingredients, I was like, "What's the matter with this it wasn't chocolatey enough. It was overly sweet in an unnecessary way. And there was no nuance to the flavors. It was just flat sweetness. And it wasn't even necessarily moist, but it was very dense. It wasn't even as good as a chocolate cake. And if you're vegan, and you try to eat a brownie, you know, oftentimes, you're either going to get a boiled puddle of chocolate, or you're going to get a chocolate piece of cake that someone is masquerading as a brownie. You know how I feel about that. I wish it was that chocolate cake because it wasn't even as good as that, okay? The ingredients, which you may or may not know if you're an ingredients reader, they're always listed in order of quantity. What's there the most of? That's gonna be the first thing on the list. So the first thing on the list was sugar and then flour. There was more sugar than flour in this brownie. Then oil, then way down the line, after a bunch of other stuff, cocoa powder. So the problem with this brownie is there just was not enough cocoa powder. Why call it a brownie? Why not call it just like a, a vegan puck? I Then I would know. That would be honest. Sweet vegan puck, puck. Have no other options. Here you go. And then maybe people would have a little bit of truth in advertising. Anyway, I didn't like that. I felt like it wasn't even as good as the scourge of vegan desserts. The chocolate cake masquerading as a brownie. Later in the evening, after I didn't finish this brownie, which takes a lot for me as somebody who just wants sugar all the time, I stopped at Donut Friend. Donut Friend in Highland Park. I've definitely talked about them before. It's an all-vegan donut shop. There's one thing about them which is a little weird, which is it's kind of the cafe gratitude of donut shops, where you have to say weird words in order to get the very simple thing you want. Cafe Gratitude is a chain of hippie restaurants in California where all of the things are called like, I am grateful, I am abundant. And that's how you have to order like a burrito is the burrito is called I am abundant. And so then the waiter looks you in the eyes and you have to say I am abundant or they'll ask you what you're grateful for that day. It's it's a little much. It's a it's a little much for some people. Donut Friend has a fun punk version of that where you have to say like, I'd like a Sufyanat Stevens if you want a jelly donut or you have to say like, I want a." I, they're all song left references, lyrics, kind of like um, Sizzle Pie in Portland. Like, you can't just say, I want a piece of cheese pizza. You have to say, like, I want the ch- shredding McShredderton. Anyway, I love Donut Friend. I went to Donut Friend, and I got the craziest donut I've ever gotten there, as far as how it made me feel. It was a vegan Boston cream donut. The band references? Can't remember. I left my body as I ordered it, but... It was unwieldy. As soon as I got the box with the donut in it, it was heavy. And the donut itself, the chocolate on top was gooey. It wasn't just a hard paste. You know, sometimes you see just a hard crusty paste on the top of a chocolate donut when you get it. It was gooey. It was gooing on the box. Don't be grossed out. They have wet wipes there for you to wipe your hands. So don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. I wasn't. I reached in. I picked it up. It felt heavy. It was heavy with Boston cream. It was not skimping on the Boston cream. The pudding or whatever vanilla kind of thing that's in there, the cream, was making the donut sag, and yet the pastry itself was supporting and holding it without being bready. It was incredible. I took a bite. There was a great sensation of a really cold pudding on the inside and this very nice tender donut holding it on the outside with a gooey chocolate on top. It was an ideal donut experience. It was so good and something I want to say to you is this voluminous, delicious, very classic vegan donut was the exact opposite of how I feel as a whole about my experience with a Portland Institution, one of the first places to have vegan donuts in Portland, I will say. I need to take a trip down memory lane and tell you, when I moved to Portland, the vegan donuts, quote unquote, were frosted bagels. I'm not kidding you. I would go to Nature's, which then became Whole Foods. um, And in their case, they had something called Vegan Donut from Gabriel's Bakery. And I kid you not, it was a frosted bagel. And you know who would buy that and enjoy it? I would. A low-quality bagel covered in chocolate frosting? I had not even had a vegan donut up until that point. That wasn't homemade. Anyway, that's not what I'm complaining about. I'm here to complain about voodoo donuts. They were the first people in Portland to have an edible vegan donut. And yet, they're so annoying to me in some very particular ways. And here is why I rank Donut Friend above voodoo donuts when it comes to vegan donuts. Okay, Back in the day, I guess they've changed this recently, but back in the day, Voodoo Donuts did not take credit cards. So, if you go to Voodoo Donuts and you're not somebody who's just walking around town with a bag of Monopoly money waiting for a cash only place, you would have to use their ATM, which had a $3 charge, and then you would have to pay $3, plus whatever your bank's gonna charge you, to buy a $3 donut. It didn't make any sense. The second thing that's weird about them is that they also didn't take pennies. That's against the law. That is legal Tinder. 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 Not Tinder. Stop swiping. I remember one time I went there. I had just woken up from a nap. I took a nap in the Voodoo Donuts parking lot. I woke up from my nap very groggy, wanting some sugar. I stumbled in with tax or there's no tax. Whatever reason, I was short a little bit. So I scrounged in the car and I had some pennies. Not like 200 pennies, like 12 pennies or 15 pennies, whatever denomination makes sense. They refused my pennies. So my donut that was $3, I had like, they just didn't take pennies. They didn't take pennies. That's it. And so I just had to leave. I just left. And that is what happened that day. Um, Also, a nice thing that Donut Friend has over Voodoo Donuts is they retain their dignity. Their case isn't full of a bunch of weird-ass, stupid donuts covered in things like Chico sticks or Pepto-Bismol or fucking nerds or whatever weird thing. It's not the culinary equivalent of somebody wearing a Dr. Seuss hat with frayed jinkos with no shoes, which is what I think about when I think about, like, the aesthetic and the culture around voodoo donuts, you know, like... When you have a tour bus full of people just, like, unloading and flooding into this place so they can get, like a, like, a donut that looks like a dong that they incorporate the Boston cream as, like, a gross, like, jizz reference. Gross. I don't want that. I'm trying to eat. Or, you know, there's no, no one's crucifying a donut, at donut friend. They're just giving you a normal donut. You want some ice cream on that? Sure. You want some preserves? Wonderful. You may have to say a band lyric that you don't know, but like nothing weird is happening there and they take money. Um, I do want to say one time I was at Back Fence PDX, which is Portland's equivalent of the moth and it's people telling stories and one of the owners of Voodoo Donuts, I think it was Trace went up and was telling his story and at the 10-minute mark, which is the limit to how long the stories are, a very kind woman dings a xylophone. Ten minutes, he was just getting started. She dinged the xylophone. He kept talking. She was a ring-a-ding-ding in that xylophone up and down. He didn't give a care. He looked at her. He said, you know what? I'm the last person of the night. What are you guys going to do? Leave? Leave? we didn't leave. We were hostages. We stayed and watched his whole story, which at some point just turned into like a drunken rant. I don't even remember what it was about. I appreciate Voodoo Donuts making vegan donuts in Portland in the early 2000s. At this point, I feel liberated, able to make other choices. And so friends, I highly recommend Donut Friend. I highly recommend the gluten-free chocolate chip cookie from By Chloe. I recommend anything by Hail Mary anything by Hail Mary treats, which are in the cold case at your natural grocery store. And I highly recommend the chocolate chip cookies at Little Pine. And that is my rant of the day. I hope you have a great week and enjoy my talk with friend of the show, Rocco Kayadis. Rocco Kayadis is the co-founder of Original Plumbing Magazine, He has worked making viral videos for BuzzFeed and Grindr, and currently he is working on Camp Lost Boys, a summer camp created by and for men of trans experience. You can find out more about Rocco's camp at CamplostBoys.org, or check out some of his videos at RoccoCayatis.com. Now please enjoy my talk, with some extra meowing in the background, with Rocco Cayatis. Rocco. Yes. Do you have any advice... For budding creatives who want to quit their day job, Mm. preferably for people without a safety net in place.
1: Yeah. Well, um, man, the advice would be different depending on what your age is, um, because I think as we get older, then we have more expenses, or we don't have roommates as frequently. Um, Our lives are just bigger and we uh, need more money. Mm -hmm. So if you're in your 20s, I'd say the best piece of advice I ever received, which maybe I've even said on this podcast before, um, my ex-girlfriend who is a writer and a creative herself told me at age 20, she said, jobs are for quitting, your career is your art, and you can't sacrifice your career for a job. Um, And I still hold that to be true in all types of business, not just art, Um, just any type of entrepreneurship or artistry. Um, if you're in your thirties or your forties, that's going to be a little bit more challenging to just be like jobs are for quitting because you have more bills, more expenses, maybe more medical issues are going on. Like you just need a different level of stability as you get older.
0: As our bodies are falling apart.
1: Yeah. Well, after 27, your body starts degenerating faster than it regenerates. Mm -hmm. And that is something I feel.
0: All right. Well, do you feel it? Oh yeah. Yeah. For sure.
1: Well, what would your advice be to to someone who wants to quit their job and work on their career?
0: I think you're just trading one kind of stress for another kind of stress. Mm. And I feel this way also about roommates. Living with roommates to me is stressful but I choose the stress of figuring out how to make ends meet compared to that stress. Yeah, if that makes sense. I want to back up and talk about punk damage for one second. Yeah, um, <laughs> can you can you define punk damage? This is a recurring theme on the podcast.
1: Oh my god, I've never heard that term before. But punk damage uh, for me, I, well, since it's like I'm basically trying to just imagine what that means financially. Oh. It's like the
0: idea, like punk damage being like. When you're like at a certain age and you're like, I'm reusing this thing a million times because it's like simultaneously like I don't deserve nice things mm. and or I'm doing it for the earth. Like you have some like ingrained like very um, – Like
1: you need to be in a state of deprivation in order be to be righteous? Yes. Okay. So then that would also be like – I can't pay myself because I'm doing it for the cause. Yeah.
0: and then Is that punk damage? Yeah. But then you're like a burned out codependent martyr.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I feel that even with the camp that, that I do, um, we put in the bulk of the profit margin, which is very small um, to pay for scholarships for guys who can't afford to come otherwise. And I don't think to pay myself. And I was just at an, uh, grant meeting with the city of weho because i just got a grant yesterday mm. and so i was meeting with them and she said don't forget to put your own pay in the budget and i was like oh i don't need to be paid and she said you absolutely need to pay yourself and she got mad and i was like fuck so i guess that's punk damage mm-hmm. where i think like if this is righteous or good or truly altruistic or an like an offering of activism or social justice, then I wouldn't be paying myself. Mm -hmm. But that's actually undoing because then I can't sustain the work. And so if I'm a person, which I am uh, who is compelled to make space artistically forever on a community level, then I need to make sure that I'm paying myself even just a little bit for the time and energy that I put into it. Otherwise I'm not going to be able to sustain.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you're more valuable to the community at large and to your friends and to yourself as a whole person than somebody who's struggling in a lot of other ways. With punk damage, I guess I just brought that in because I was thinking about how your standards for living and your quality of life that you will offer yourself sometimes as a queer or a punk person or somebody in a subculture is less the younger you are. And I feel like as you get older and a little bit more in your body, you get to be like, oh. I don't actually like smelling another person's farts. <laughs> I would do anything. <laughs> I would do any job in order to not have to smell another person's farts, except for my dog or oh my God. whoever I'm dating. Like, I would do anything.
1: Yeah, I don't like, I think that I quickly kind of phased out of collective living. I don't like it. I don't like sensi- or uh, consensus decision making. That's really hard for me. So cooperative living is not for me.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Lily Withacomb, Hannah Harding, Shoshana Ruth Wechter, Christy Herod, Jill Soloway, and Mary Pinson. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, especially producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $10, $5 million, that's your business, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's hornet like the insect, leg like its appendage at gmail. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer, Panya looks forward to it, too. Don't be scared. That's just Panya's voice. So what advice would you give somebody who was, say, in their 30s or 40s, who was a creative person, who was hating their day job? I mean, I think it's a lot of pressure to put on your creativity to attach your finances to it yeah that's hard and it also has to do with like the whims of the world which is really unstable
1: yeah and so if we're headed towards what i think we're headed towards a recession so what kind of business is recession proof in a way i think that a good way to kind of phase out of your day job and phase into maybe creating a career for yourself that's creative is to do just that do it in phases think about like what's one project that you feel excited about that you could do on weekends and evenings that you could start generating a little bit of money from and then just keep building on that and that's also like a nice moment to test while you're getting health insurance and a reliable paycheck you can test like is there a market for what you think that you would be making money doing if you didn't have a job if there's not then you're not like fucked because you still have that paycheck and that health insurance and something to fall back on. So it's a nice way to kind of experiment. And maybe your job is draining you, but try to remember that it's just a job. So you don't have to take it home with you. You can have parameters around it. If it feels really closely linked to the work you want to do for your career, then that's a little bit harder to kind of separate. But I encourage people to like adopt some kind of structured self-care around that, where you're like, even if you're like driving to work or taking the bus say some sort of mantra of like, I'm going to my job at 6 PM or whatever time you get off. My job is done and I can do my real work. Like just create a mantra that feels connected to your experience of creating boundaries and a parameter of what it looks like to have a job while also trying to build income generating uh, things around having a career. Mm -hmm.
0: When I was quitting my day jobs, I had two different jobs at nonprofits Mm. And then I got an illustration job on the side, a freelance illustration job that was as much money as I would have gotten paid at one of my one of my day jobs for six months. Mm. And so I was like, okay, this is this money. I'm gonna quit this day job, and this money is gonna last me. I have six months to figure out how to make more money. Mm. And so that's what I did. Is I I. You know, I kind of diversified my jobs so that I had multiple jobs so that one of them could go away entirely and be replaced by freelance work. Um, that way I still had some stability.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's the key is like creating that level of stability ahead of time. If you don't have a savings, you're not in a position to start a business, then it's going to really stress you out. You can't do that. If you have a trust fund, kudos, go for it. Uh, amazing, you hit the jackpot in life. Um, but if you don't, I think that when this... St- I don't know. I think when the stakes are that high, you're setting yourself up for misery and destitution in some ways. Potentially, I, don't I you mean, think? Like you won't be able to pay your rent. You won't um, have a reliable kind of like uh, – there's no safety net. You're just free falling. Well,
0: that's the When thing. you're young,
1: you can do it.
0: Kind of. I mean for me, the key, one of the keys was I don't have any debt. I didn't mm-hmm. have any debt when this happened. I didn't have student loan debt.
1: Me too, because I didn't go to college.
0: I didn't, have, I didn't go to college either. No, I didn't, you didn't. I didn't have credit card debt because I had no credit, so I was never eligible for a credit card at yeah. that time. Um, and so that made it easier for me to step away from work. Yeah. No matter what, if you, if you end up quitting all your jobs and you become a creative full time you're always going to be jumping from one lily pad to the other yeah. that's what somebody on the podcast said before tara jane O'Neill was like how do i make an art career i just if you're just jumping from one lily pad to the next one finding where the next paycheck is you're i'm always hustling
1: yeah it's gig economy right so, yeah. in a way i think that i found a loophole really early so um, when oh producer namju is is going to chime in um that's my cat <laughs> Field producer.
0: Field producer.
1: Um, So when I was about uh, mid-20s, I realized that I I – randomly got a college show for performing music. And at that point I was making like 200 bucks off of a bar show or something. It was fun, but it wasn't enough to live off of. So I was working as a barista as well. And then, um or like at the American Apparel or like just random shitty jobs. And then uh, I got a college show and that paid like $2,000. And then I thought, oh my God, what if I could make an entire tour of college shows? Or if I'm going on this two month tour, what if I could get like, 10 college shows and that would make sure that I got home with like $10,000, you know? Um, and then I started doing more and more of that. And then I was playing like 60 to 80 college shows a year. And I did that for a bunch of years and made a really great living doing that. And when that started drying up, um, I realized that it was time for me to start thinking about other ways to make money. And that that might look like me having to take a job, like a job at a company for a while. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've been doing. Mm. Yeah.
0: yeah. And it probably felt relaxing, actually, after doing all that touring and hustling and scheduling to get to just go somewhere and have somebody else just give you a, re- like a reliable, predictable paycheck.
1: For the first couple of years, it was. It felt really exciting to not have to, uh, to not be so enmeshed with the work I was doing because it wasn't my project, you know? And when it was me and my project, I felt like very precious about it. And it was everything. It was all consuming. I never had a day off because I was always thinking about work. I was always doing some kind of work. If I wasn't working, then the job wasn't happening. So I had to be working 24 seven, you know, 365 days a year. And then going to work, I was just like, Who cares? I'm in, I'm out, done. And I got health insurance for the first time. So I got to stop going to free clinics, which was amazing.
0: That sounds great. Yeah, And
1: I got to go to a dentist again.
0: Ooh, what's that like? I know.
1: (laughs) Um, So there's pluses and minuses to both, I think. I think it's about finding a balance, making sure that you make time for your creative outlet. I think,
0: I mean, I always think the key is to have low overhead. And if you need to have a day job, do one that doesn't suck. So much of your energy that then you don't have energy left for your creative stuff. Yes. So your day job needs to be something that doesn't stress you out. And if you're on one that stresses you out, find a different day job that you can leave there. And it might mean you make less money, mm-hmm. but it might mean that you have more mental space when you're at home. Like I would never want to be a manager of someplace and have somebody call me and be like, I forgot my keys or mm-hmm. what, like have to be on call. Mm-hmm. It's really a gift to not have my notifications on.
1: Yeah. I think that, you know, the last thing that I think is like now that I'm leaping back into kind of self-employment after like almost six years of being employed at companies, there's something seductive about both. And I think that the most seductive element for me is that really nice PPO health insurance. It's really amazing to have a company pay for that. And it's really incredible to not have to wonder where your next um, check is coming from. Those things are relaxing. Things that are stressful is if it is a job that's closely linked to your uh, creative life, then it is kind of hard to shut that down at the end of the day. And it can be um, consuming in a way that you hadn't anticipated. Like the most surprising Uh, way that it consumed me was like petty grievances people are power grabbing and doing weird shit at a corporate environment where i'm just like who the fuck cares you're all power grabbing for something that you'll never ultimately have power in because it's not your business so i think that the way that i reconciled that for the past two years was starting this camp so i was able to do something that felt in line with my life's work while I was working and paying and supporting myself and not having to rely on my life's work, which is, it, it's, you know, you, you can't put a price tag on it. You really can't. Like it pays me in feeling like it feeds my soul and gives me a, a purpose to live a life. And then the other one pays for me to pay my mortgage and make my car payments and make sure that my animals can go to the vet when they need to, et cetera. And then I don't have the stress.
0: mm mm-hmm. I think that's valuable.
1: Yeah.
0: Rocco, we may as well talk about camp. Yeah. For the third time on this podcast. That's all I
1: want to do is talk about camp.
0: What is your camp?
1: Um, camp Lost Boys is a camp for men of trans experience. Uh, it's just like a regular summer camp. It happens at least twice a year. I say at least because I think this year we might expand. Um The next one's happening in Cleveland, Georgia in May. And then the one after that is happening in the end of September in uh, Big Bear Mountain in California. Um, About 130 trans dudes come together. We do arts and crafts, archery, high ropes. Uh, The one in Georgia has a big lake. So we'll be on a blob and um, kayaking and zip lining, et cetera. Um, What do you mean
0: you'll be on a blob?
1: they have this thing called a blob in lakes where it's like this huge inflatable thing that's like as big as like a small building and then one person jumps on it and walks out to the edge and then another person around the same weight jumps on the middle of it and propels them into the lake. What?! People are into this. Maybe
0: you're just referencing. Oh yeah, so we got a blob. we got a, like that's like common was, maybe, knowledge. I guess it's
1: camp. It's common camp knowledge. I had no idea what it was.
0: I'm old.
1: I I didn't know what it was because I never went to summer camp.
0: Well, there's there's also some um, kind of deep talk and workshop stuff that happens at your yes. camp, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. So if you're not into physical activities, there's a ton of chats. We have about a dozen chats spread out over the uh, three day experience, where um, you know. There's everything from, like, relationships, navigating relationships to, like, how to be a better artist to just kind of everything, everything you could want.
0: Wonderful. Um, when is the deadline for signing up?
1: Well, we have about 10 spots left for this next one. Um, and then we'll close that out once those sell. And then we will open the next registration by the end of February for mm-hmm. the September camp. Excellent. But this last one sold 80 spots in the first two weeks, so I'd say register early. Okay. Um, And if you're curious to learn more, go to CamplostBoys.org, and on the front page you can watch this video that kind of gives you a broad overview of what it's like to go to camp.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Rocco. Thank you. If you have an advice question for Sagittarian Matters, Call or text our advice hotline, 971-361-9998. Leave a message. We might answer your question on the air, and we promise not to answer the phone. That is a Sagittarian promise that you can take all the way to the bank. Chef Rocco, welcome back to Sagittarian Matters.
1: Thanks for having me. Um, this is not going to be a chef-worthy experiment. <laughs> Mostly, like, I got these new... I got really excited because I was at a grocery store I don't usually go to, and they had all kinds of fake meat. And I was like, oh, because, you know, I'm a protein hound. Oh, my God. No, no glutinous meats yeah, yeah, for vegans. These are all either pea protein or um, soy and pea. No gluten. So I got really excited. Um, the chicken is so fucking real, I think.
0: Well, who's, what's the brand?
1: Sweet Earth. They've okay. been around forever.
0: So if you're looking for a realistic chicken with a... Quiet on the set. I
1: know the pets are <laughs> chewing.
0: <laughs> if you're looking for a realistic chicken, that's the place to go.
1: It's disgusting. Okay. I want to see... When I opened the package, I was like, Oh, Sick. And then I caught a smell of it and was like, "Oh, it even smells like what I remember real chicken to smell like." Um, and then I cooked it up with my favorite like fake pad thai situation that I've been doing with these miracle noodles. Oh. And then
0: making pad thai with a miracle noodle is like I love them. Know, a miracle noodle is you know, it it puts the it's it puts the meal at a disadvantage.
1: Oh my god. I'm obsessed with miracle noodles.
0: We could talk about this later. Yeah, Separately
1: separate episode. <laughs> but then I've been eating it with like TVP and it's so good. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to put this fake chicken in it and I couldn't eat it. I couldn't finish it. I was like,
0: Ugh, and then you told me this and somehow I agreed to come over.
1: Yeah, so I'm cooking you that. I'm going to cook you some of this fake chicken with a I'll cook it two different ways, teriyaki sauce and a gochujang uh, miso. Mm-hmm. Um and then I'm going to cook this just egg. Just egg is incredible too because if you miss having like a scrambled egg sort of situation and you're done with tofu for a second, which I would never be done with tofu, but there are weird people. Me neither. I fucking love tofu. Um, This one's made out of mung bean. Okay. So it's got a great protein fat carb ratio. So it's just protein and fat. It's got some other things in it too, you know, like canola oil and a little bit of tapioca syrup. But the main ingredient is mung bean protein. And what do you think? Looks real, right?
0: It well, it's a yellow bottle. It could you could tell me it's mustard and I would believe you. <laughs> it looks real. Yeah, it
1: it does look like mustard. But wait until we cook it. Okay, we,
0: wait, can I look at the chicken before you cook yeah, it? I want you to. Okay. Man. Ready? Um, <laughs> I mean, it looks like turkey. It looks Doesn't it like. Smell like turkey too. It looks like tofurkey
1: leftovers. It smells like Thanksgiving turkey, right?
0: It smells like Thanksgiving turkey. All right, <laughs> Chef Rocco. I'm putting Ugh. myself in your hands.
1: I'm. You're gonna eat alone because I'm. I can't bring myself to eat that chicken again. <laughs>
0: We'll see. Maybe. we Rocco, talk
1: me through this. All right, I um. You hold it all. I'd like you to try the one that's undressed, just the naked chicken. If anyone was wondering which came first, the chicken or the egg, it's the chicken. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Where did the chicken come from?
1: Um, I don't know.
0: Okay, so this is just like a little naked piece of cooked. Hmm. Mm-hmm. you know the thing with vegan meat sometimes is it tastes like the worst version of meat like pot This yes. tastes like pot pie meat <laughs> so yes it's, like, it's
1: so disgusting like if
0: you took like a broiler chicken like a pot <laughs> pie like something that was so fucked up and damaged that they couldn't use it for anything but soup and then you yes. just ate it by itself without any of its accompanying friends
1: oh my god that's so accurate
0: <laughs> can i give this to the dog
1: i'm gonna try it okay. once okay. more okay. just because i like to abuse my own self okay
0: Ugh, God, why did I do it? <laughs> no, you can't spit it I out. Have to. Now he's giving this spit out part to the dog. She's
1: into it. Oh God, it's so
0: gross.
1: <laughs> okay. Does now sauce I'm... help? Even the dog doesn't want it.
0: <laughs> she, she's interested, but she's not. All right. What What am I gonna eat next?
1: This is gochujang. So let's see if you enjoy this. What's it's a goji little john? spicy, a little bit, um, like a Korean barbecue sort of. Hmm. Does it help? It.
0: It does help it.
1: At the first bite, but then once you get in there
0: I mean would I want a whole plate? Not, I don't know, but I'm not ter- I'm not horrified
1: by this. It, you're not? Mm-mm. Can you taste the underlying like nasty bits though?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that this might I there's something about it it's like so dense. It's like it's the- very dense. It's very it's a very condensed like chicken soup quality meat. Chicken soup, Campbell's chicken soup quality meat mm. thing. But instead of it being like airy or flaky, it's like very condensed, like almost like... Actually,
1: has... it's like real meat, don't you think?
0: It is, but it's almost, it's like dense. It's like as dense as like seitan almost, mm-hmm. even though it's not.
1: Yeah, there's no gluten in it. Um, and the protein in it is like 20 grams of protein per serving.
0: So I could see why you were excited about
1: this. Yeah, but can't, can't see it through.
0: What's the next kind I'm going to try?
1: Um... A uh, very terry oh, oh, what is it? Soyve very teriyaki.
0: This is a very terry experience. <laughs> mm. I'm not terrified. I'm not horrified. You're not. Mm-mm.
1: Oh God! It makes me want to try it, but then I'm terrified of it.
0: Let's let's see. Let's have Rocco try Ugh. it. It's really fun. Okay. You can do it. Yeah. I think maybe if you diced this very small and put it in a fried rice, it feels like it's almost could be the texture of like a very overcooked ham.
1: With the teriyaki sauce, like dousing it in teriyaki sauce, it's fine.
0: Don't let its own weird meaty flavor come through.
1: That's what I did, I think, the first Mm -hmm. time, accidentally.
0: I don't think I would choose this experience, but I'm not disgusted.
1: Yeah. Well, though, were you disgusted by its naked version? Yes. Yeah.
0: There's an aftertaste. Yep. Just like with the Impossible Burger, I feel like it. T- the Impossible Burger tastes like a McDonald's burger.
1: What about Beyond Burger though?
0: Maybe like a little bit better, Yeah. I guess.
1: I think it's a little bit better too.
0: But I just don't, I've never longed for the taste of like grade school cafeteria quality meat, That's which is what, what, what is. vegan meats at their very best <laughs> replicate that. So why not just do it with tofu or something? (laughs) Oh my
1: God, that's exactly what it is. Well done. All right, let's get this egg going.
0: All right, let's get this egg party going. Chef Rocco just scrambled me an egg with the stuff from the mustard colored bottle. The brand
1: is called Just, J-U-S-T, Egg. Eh, E-G-G. Yeah.
0: Okay, and you added some vegan cheese?
1: Yeah, I put some chow cheese in it. Um, Wait, tell
0: me how does this taste eggy to you before I try it? Because I actually have a little bit of a repulsion with eggs.
1: It's just like egg to me.
0: I once tried to do an egg experiment. But without
1: the weird um, sulfuric kind of nasty taste. That's the- so minus that. But like the feeling in your mouth, texturally and otherwise, it's pretty eggish.
0: A frequently asked question is, Nicole, would it. you eat eggs from your own chickens since, you know, it's ethically fine, they're not being exploited. Mm-hmm. And the answer is no. I tried to do an egg experiment before mm. where I scrambled one of my chickens' eggs. The smell. It was... I couldn't even put it... I couldn't even... Do, I couldn't do it. I so tried. I scrambled it as hard it. as I could.
1: Smell it. It doesn't smell like egg. Ugh. It's made out of mung bean.
0: It doesn't smell like egg. So? Okay. It was too real. It was too much like the inside of their bodies.
1: And this looks like a real egg. Mmm. It's good. I think. I'm into it.
0: This tastes like a scrambled egg without Mm -hmm. the sulfuric aftertaste.
1: So it's good. (laughs) You're into it?
0: Mm -hmm. Let's say this. I feel like you're guiding my hand.
1: This is like a good transitionary uh, product. So if you are new to being vegan and you're like, but I really love eggs. to you. But also... Just egg is a great product because it's not like a tofu scramble. It's like a real, you can make a real scramble out of it that tastes like, almost like egg and has the same amount of fat and protein as a real egg.
0: It's queer to me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm used to this space being taken up by tofu. I know. And so it being this like yellow.
1: It looks like egg.
0: This is a great transitional product. I, like if I went somewhere and they were like, we have a breakfast burrito and here's what's in it. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay.
1: You'd be more into it if it was wrapped up in something?
0: I'm just having a hard time placing this in my mind.
1: I think that if you didn't know that this wasn't a real egg, you would be like, no way, that's a real egg.
0: Yeah, and I would be grossed out. So totally. I'm, I'm overcoming my gross out factor. Because like with the fake chicken, yeah. I've seen fake meat my whole life. Sure. But a fake egg, it, I haven't seen one that was believable yeah. and looked so eggy. Mm-hmm. And I haven't had an egg in so long that it is, I'm overcoming. It's like fear factor.
1: Sure. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Okay. I give this a curious thumb. I give this a curious thumb.
1: <laughs> what does a curious thumb look like?
0: It's like, I'm not, I don't dislike this, but I don't know if I would seek out... Yeah. Such an egg experience.
1: Absolutely. On my own. Absolutely.
0: Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton, with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.